the harder you work, the less you're going to sleep, the worse you're going to feel and the less work you're actually going to do in terms of productivity. So one of my biggest lessons is going, okay, how can I actually work smarter, take far more time for self-care and then you actually end up getting more done. Welcome to Socialette. I'm your host, Steph Taylor. As a launch strategist and digital marketer, I've learned a lot of lessons the hard way while building a seven-figure online business. If you're an overwhelmed business owner struggling to scale while also keeping your clients happy, this podcast is for you. Join me as I share actionable advice for creating an online business that feels good and brings you so much joy. Are you on the list to get my daily biz boosters? Every day, I'll send you a bite-sized prompt that is designed to help you grow your business in a more intentional way. Sign up at stephtaylor.co slash dbb or at the link in the show notes. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this special bonus episode of Socialette. Now, this episode was completely unplanned. And you might tell by the sound quality that it's not quite up to the usual standard. And that's because (laughs) I completely had not planned to record any podcast episodes on this trip. And Beck, who I'm chatting with in this episode, we figured out that her travel microphone doesn't actually fit into either of our laptops because it's the old USB connector and neither of us bought a dongle. So this is literally... This episode is literally just us speaking into our MacBook microphone. And it's actually, the sound quality is not as bad as I thought it would be. But the reason why we are still sharing this episode, despite the not amazing sound quality, is because the content in it is so good. And this is something I always try to talk to my podcast launch plan students about, is how actually the sound quality, yeah, it's important to a point. But what matters even more than your microphone is the content that you are sharing. So today's episode, Beck and I are coming to you from Italy and we are talking about how we build these businesses that give us both the freedom to travel and take, well, essentially a month off. I mean, we're working while we're away, but to have that month of travel throughout Italy and we both have very different businesses. So Beck is a nutritionist. She helps women who have tried it all to lose weight without the hunger. And obviously, I'm a launch strategist. So I think you guys will really benefit from hearing somebody else's perspective rather than the usual just launch strategy and all of that. This episode was originally on Beck's podcast, which is called Body Bites with Beck. If you find that anything she's talking about, nutrition, her philosophy, anything like that resonates with you, definitely pop over and listen to that. Check out her three-week body reset. I have been through it multiple times. It is amazing. And yeah, she's just a wonderful human. So let's jump into today's chat. Hello, everyone. Today, I'm coming to you with a really exciting episode. I'm sitting here in Italy, in Bergeggi, which is a little town um, at the top of Italy, with my friend Steph. Uh, and what we've decided to do on this trip for you guys is to just have a really casual chat. Um really about how we've both grown our businesses um, to give us this travel freedom that we have at the moment. Um, So Steph, which she'll talk in a second, is um, someone that I actually met, when was it, Steph? 2019, I think. So like three, yeah. Yeah, it was 2019. Okay, so three years ago. And 
the reason we met is because I actually decided to fly to Brisbane. She lives in Brisbane. Um, and I was a fangirl of hers. To be sure. <laughs> like, I, I remember before I met you, I was like, I would prefer to meet you than Kim Kardashian or like Cameron Diaz. Because I mean, to be fair, like Kim Kardashian, you're setting the bar pretty low. <laughs> I know, I know but do you know what I mean? Like, in terms of celebrities, like, yeah. that's just what came into my head quickly. But basically, and Steph will tell you her story in a second, but I used to binge. So she has a podcast called Socialette. And back then it was just all about marketing and digital um, online businesses. And I was really going from client only to moving online. And that is a really hard thing to do. <laughs> so her podcast, I was binging. It helped me so much. And because it helped me so much, I just became such a fangirl because I was like, this girl has helped me immensely. Um, and so I flew to Brisbane and I was like, can you please have a coffee with me? And she said, yeah. We ended up having dinner. No, we had, oh yeah, true. Oh, yep. we did have coffee. Yeah. Yep, we had coffee right. and we had dinner. And then basically fast forward, I went to Brisbane again after that twice and caught up with her twice. We kept on the, um, on the phone with phone calls and have become really good friends. And now it feels so surreal that we're in Italy. Yeah. Both together. running our businesses and traveling. And yeah. eating a lot of amazing food. It's really weird. Yeah, it's really cool. So we kind of thought because, I mean, I know this isn't really um, the same theme as all my other podcasts, obviously. This isn't really like a weight loss, health podcast. Some of it will definitely be to do with health, with health because it's all about stress um, and the hustle culture. But there are a lot of business owners that follow me or new nutritionists that are looking to move online. Uh, so we wanted to just share our best tips about how we have both sort of built our businesses so that we can kind of share lots of our best learnings with you guys. Yeah. And like, I know you say it's not about health and it's a hundred percent is though, like absolutely like the whole hustle thing. I know you dealt with this a lot at the start. I dealt with this a lot where we first started our businesses and we were working so hard and it was like, I know when I started mine, I was still working in a corporate job. So I was working 8am till, I don't know, five, six, seven, depending on the day. And then I would get up at 4 a.m. in the morning to work on my business before I started, before I went to work for the day. Oh my God. And like every lunch break, every time I ducked out to get a coffee, I would just be on my phone, like reading my inbox, dealing with suppliers. Um, cause this was my old product based business. Um, like trying to take phone calls that all the calls that I'd missed because I was sitting at my desk. Like it was just the most stressful thing. And that actually led to me. I had a panic attack one day. I was playing netball and suddenly I just like couldn't breathe. And. At the time, I had no idea what was going on. Like I was just lying there on the sidelines, couldn't breathe, bawling my eyes out. And I never cry in public. So this was really weird. And I didn't know what was going on. And like in hindsight, I was like, oh, that was a panic attack. And that kind of goes to show what that much stress and that much hustle puts your body under and what that can lead to. And like I've almost built my my business intentionally now. And I know you have as well in the last couple of years, Beck, built my business intentionally now so that it's anti-hustle in a way like I feel proud to say that I actually don't work that hard <laughs> yeah. whereas a few years ago I would have been ashamed to say like oh I don't actually work that hard mm -hmm. I don't know and I can completely relate to that now and the fact that Steph's saying that um was so foreign to me a couple of years ago I I think it's so ingrained into all of us as a society that you have to hustle not 24 7 obviously but like work so hard, especially with the idea of growing a business. People think that you don't get any freedom. 
you're chained to your phone, you're chained to your emails. Um, and it's such a belief that you have to work hard and, you know, kill yourself every day to be successful. Yeah. And I was trapped in that for sure for my, oh, yeah. for my first like four years of business. But then actually meeting Steph, there's so much that you taught me mindset wise that really helped me shift. Yeah. And I think the reason I was able to teach you all that though is because where I was like maybe a year or two ahead of yeah. you in my business. So I'd like already come through that whole cycle that you were going through of like so many clients working so hard, you know, didn't have any time for yourself. You, there was no way you would be able to travel on a trip like this a couple of years ago. I didn't think it would ever be possible. So yeah. I haven't, so just quick. So what we're going to do now is like really quickly just tell you guys about our business journeys from the beginning till now, but like we'll do it as quick as we can, but it's cool because they're both about six years, um, both similar kind of timelines. Okay. I'll go first. Um, so I actually started out like in corporate in most people, like most people in corporate. And I had an idea for a health food subscription box because I'd gone through, I quit sugar and I was like, okay, great. But like, it's really hard to make all of these meals when I'm in an office job all day. What if there was like a subscription box that delivered all of these snacks to your door? And like, great idea in theory, but <laughs> in practice, it just didn't work because Australia, like shipping is ridiculously expensive. Um, products go off, food products go off. And I ended up making like maybe a dollar or two dollars profit on each order. So it just wasn't financially viable. But the whole process of going through that business and the push, I suppose, for me to leave my corporate job, because I, after the whole panic attack incident, I actually ended up in hospital for a week with a really bad kidney infection. And I was on antibiotics, super strong antibiotics. I was exhausted. And then on my first or second day back at work, my boss at the time made a comment about how I was leaving at 5 p.m. and not finishing all my work, not staying late to finish my work. And that was like the light bulb moment where I was like, I don't care if my business isn't profitable. I don't want to be in a job working for somebody else anymore. I don't want to be in this position where I'm sacrificing my health for a career or a job that I don't even love. And so that was like the push to go all in on my not very profitable business. Three months later, I ran out of money, got a part-time job for the most awesome boss ever, who actually is the person who got me into podcasting. Long story. But I, over time, I realized, okay, I need to close down this product-based business. I need to start doing what I enjoy doing. And at that time, it was marketing. It was working with clients. And I started building that up. And then similar to you, Beck, I hit that point where I was like, oh, this either has to become an agency or I have to, I don't know, put my prices up ridiculous amounts. Otherwise, I'm never going to make more money. And I was constantly tied to my laptop. And I actually moved to this side of the world for like, I don't know, six months in at the end of 2017, start of 2018. And it was really hard. Like I definitely didn't have the freedom that I have now because I was having to get up at 3 a.m. for client calls. I was waking up in the morning in London to an inbox that was full of emails from people in Australia who'd sent me those emails in the morning. And it was constantly having to put out these fires, constantly having to be glued to my laptop. Like I was, I was checking my inbox in front of the Eiffel Tower. In Harry. Yeah. I know. Enjoying every moment. And it really pissed off my partner at the time because he was just like, why can't you be present? Why can't you enjoy this? But at the back of my mind, it was always like, oh, what emails are in my inbox? Like what calls am I missing? What's going on? And that was really hard. So 
at the end of 2017, at the same time, I actually had launched a course. It was a course about Facebook ads. It was my very first online course. I made all of the mistakes in the book, but yet it was still successful. And I realized like, oh, this is what I want to be doing more of. I want to be doing more of these courses rather than working with all of these clients because the students who were coming through my courses, they were taking action. They were getting results. They weren't constantly messaging me, asking me questions or messaging me, expecting me to put out fires. Like (laughs) I remember one Sunday night getting a phone call from a client because It was Monday morning in Australia and she was like, oh my goodness, this sales page doesn't have a full stop after this word. Oh my God. Can you fix it right now? I was like, "Mm, it's Sunday night. She's like, but it's important. I was like, okay. So just that kind of stuff where it's like little fires that aren't even important. And I got really sick of that so quickly. So yeah, that was where I realized, okay, let's launch a few more courses. I launched a podcast. Um realized that actually it wasn't general marketing that I enjoyed doing, but I enjoyed teaching other people how to create similar kind of freedom in their business through launching their own courses and memberships and group programs. And I guess that's kind of how we met was because you wanted to launch that membership. And yeah. Well, I didn't, I actually didn't know about the membership when I met you. So yeah, when I first met you, I was still seeing clients, but I had already, I'd launched my three-week body reset but I was stuck in the it was like plateauing the sales are plateauing I wanted to like like just scale and sell more of them but I was like I don't even know how to do that because I was still doing all of my emails back then no one was working for me except for my bookkeeper so I was just in that position of doing everything for myself and it wasn't until like a lot of things I learned from you like to outsource to get someone to do all my emails um Steph gave me the idea the idea of the tribe Oh, and then that's kind of where it all. Yeah, actually, yeah, you were probably one of my first people that I worked with after I kind of niched down into launching. That's right. And you worked with me at the end of 2019 and then like early 2020, that was when my business finally hit that like that pivotal moment where it was like it it started to grow really quickly for so long. It felt like an idea of because I think it's with you, it's like, so Steph was really inspiring. I mean, it's not all about, it's about the amount of impact that you're making on people's lives. But of course, like the increase in revenue and money is going to give you more freedom as well. That's oh. exciting. But you just, I yeah. give them a bit of an idea of your quick, your jump when you made from like maybe just client work to then selling your courses. At yeah. Niche. Okay. So let's, I'm going to just add a little caveat to what you said. So yes, it's about the impact, but also making more money means you can make a bigger impact because when you have more money coming in, you can invest in Facebook ads. You can invest in working with somebody to do your PR. You can invest in all it's of these coach. things. You can invest in a coach. You can invest in learning. You can invest in masterminds, courses to upskill yourself and then pass that on to the people that you are working with, right? So you can actually help way more people. And also then having that time freedom. Um, so being able to making more money meant that I could hire more people. And I had the time freedom to write a book. I have the time freedom now to do three podcast episodes a week. Like all of the stuff that I have this freedom to do now means I can impact more people. So yeah, we live in a society where it's like, oh, how could you talk about money? It's so greedy, but actually more money is really good. Yeah. It's not a greedy thing. It's actually kind of a selfless thing in some ways. Um, so the jump, so that very first online course launch that I had back at the end of 2017, the Facebook ads course. That was like, I think it was around $10,000, which now I'm like, oh, that's not that much because I have a lot more overheads. I have people to pay in my team. 
But back then that was like, cool, that's going to fund about two and a half months of travel for me, which was amazing. It meant I could let go of a couple of clients before I went over to Europe. Then um, well, if we fast forward to 2020, I think I was making about $10,000 a month, mm-hmm. uh, mostly from digital stuff. I was working with a couple of clients like you. Then March 2020, I had, or April 2020, I had a, was it March 2020? I can't remember. March or April, mm-hmm. right when the pandemic hit, I had a $100,000 a month. And then I remember that so well. Yeah. And then I think it was May was like a $350,000 a month. And June was like a $350,000 month. And to clarify, because a lot of people like to talk about revenue and not profit, mm-hmm. about half of that was profit. So like it was like $150,000 worth of profit in a month, which was actually it was more than that. It was more than 150000 in profit at that point. So that was kind of the like, oh, this is what I've been working for all of these years. Like I'd been putting in so much consistent effort, consistently creating podcast episodes, consistently building my email list, consistently emailing my list, consistently showing up on Instagram. And it, it's exhausting. And it felt, I felt like giving up so many times. And we'll talk about that because I know that was yeah. one of the questions submitted. Uh, I felt like giving up so many times, but luckily I stuck with it because it took a long time for that consistency to pay off, yeah. but it was so worth it, worth every minute. And that, that jump right there, was that when you, because you were like, you, you used to be more of like just talking about general marketing, but was, yeah. that, was that when you niched down into helping people launch? Yeah. So I niched, so I actually niched at the end of 2019. Yeah. And then I launched a new course at the end of 2019 and I launched it once, I launched it twice. I launched it like seven or eight times before I made it available all of the time. And that was what really kind of tipped the scales was like this product. It was perfect combination of right place, right time. It was a course. It still is a course on how to launch a podcast. But what happened was there were now all these people who were stuck at home because of the pandemic who were thinking like, oh, what kind of side hustle am I going to do? Or what kind of hobby do I want to take up? Oh, I've always wanted to start a podcast. And it made perfect sense for them to buy that. Yeah. And I, and I bought that and that's how I launched this podcast, Body Bites with Beck. I would not have been able to do it with that. <laughs> it literally walks you through like every single step. So if anyone listening wants to launch a podcast, which I highly recommend, then you have to get steps because you're still selling it. Um, and we'll put that in the show notes of this episode. Um, so yeah, you can see like by, and I'm, that's sort of just after I met Steph. So when she was like, when she just did that launch of making, that amount of money, you know, I was like, holy, holy shit, that is so inspiring. And like, like she said, you know, there's so much hard work that goes in before that, but hearing about that, you know, the fear it takes to quit that corporate job and then, and then like even building up a client base, that's hard. And then one to one, and then the next step moving from one to one to then online and launching products is another massive step. And I understand how that feels. So, but when you hear that journey and then the amount of money, the, the amount of more money you can make from that. It's so inspiring and it shows you what's possible. And hearing Steph's journey, because she was about a year ahead or a year or two ahead of me, that opened my eyes up to what was possible too. Yeah. So let's hear your journey. Okay. So <laughs> I've kind of um, told you guys all about my journey a bit in episode one, but it's been a very long time now since that. And so in a nutshell, I'll try to sum it up. So I um, was always a really, really healthy kid. Um, and then all of a sudden at school in about year 12, I started to get really, really bad bloating issues, um, which didn't make sense to me because I came from such a healthy household. Uh, 
And I kind of thought that it was first brought on by all of the stress in year 12 because I was such a hard studier um, and they put so much pressure on you to get the best result. Um, and it could have been a bit of that. But um, anyway, then after school, it kind of just got worse and worse and worse. And I was always obsessed with health. Like I would always pick up the, um, you know, like health and fitness magazines instead of gossip magazines. Um, and I loved science. Like I was a human biology absolute nerd. Um, <laughs> I got the top of top mark of the class, which I always up, like the year 12 prize. For little back. <laughs> Go a little bit. It was so cool. And like, I always, I like beat the other nerds and the class, and, like, and they, they would always look at me so upset. Um, anyway, so I knew that I was obsessed with health and human biology. And then I was going through my own kind of gut issues. So it made so much sense for me to do a bachelor of science nutrition degree. Mm -hmm. So as I was studying my degree, I was obviously learning even more about science, more about food, more about the human body. And as I was studying, my gut was getting worse and worse and worse. I was visiting multiple specialists, gastroenterologists. Um, no one was giving me any answers. I really speak all about this actually in the past two episodes, guys. So episode 66 and 67 in depth about my gut journey. So definitely have a listen to that if you haven't already. But um, I couldn't get the answers. Even though I was paying all this money to see specialists, like mum flew me over to Sydney to go to like the top person there and like literally no one could help me and it was just wild. And then finally, as I was like finishing my third year of uni, finally I found all of my answers through some, um, basically when, when the, the worse my gut got as well, the harder it became for me to manage my weight at the same time, because there's definitely a big connection. And so Naturally, I started to like diet more, look into like low calorie foods. I became a yo-yo dieter. I would like restrict through the week, binge on the weekends. Um, because back then it was just like calories in, calories out. Like that was the main thing that we weren't even taught at uni. Um, so fast forward all of this, basically I was a yo-yo dieter, finding it really hard to like maintain my weight without starving myself. And I was like, something isn't right here. Like I shouldn't be putting on weight this quickly. Um, my gut is not working. And then I finally found a few answers for myself. So I did have a slow thyroid, which impacts your metabolism. Um, and I also figured out that I had a couple of food sensitivities. So for me, it was gluten, dairy, eggs, and peas. Um, plus I found out I had a really bad imbalance of gut bacteria. And I found all of this out through visiting a really good functional medicine doctor. So they look into things far more than gastroenterologists and GPs that are very just medical-based. Um, so basically finding out those answers, last doing so much research on weight loss, dieting, foods that keep you full, like all of these different things, I pretty much figured out an approach to stop my yo-yo dieting, help me manage my weight and heal my gut. And that was the sort of like lower carb, gluten-free approach that I now eat till this day. And then I was like, I have to help other women um, who try it all, like try it all to lose weight and slash or have bloating concerns, um, fix their bloating concerns too, and be able to slim down and keep the weight off without that intense hunger. And this approach that was working for me, I knew would work for other people. So for me, after uni, I didn't even work for anyone. Like most people went and worked for, you know, like mm. um, for someone else to get the experience because we knew nothing about business at all. 
Like a clinic or something. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was the only one in like the graduating year of nutrition that went off and did my own thing. Everyone thought I was crazy. <laughs> and I didn't know what I was doing, but all I had was this intense passion in my belly. And I was like, I have to help women not have to go through what I did. So it started off pretty slowly. Like I built my Instagram and then all I wanted to do was work with clients one-on-one. That was my dream. I did not think I would be sitting here today. <laughs> But um, I just worked with women one-on-one really slowly. It took a long time to build up, but I was so consistent with like sharing tips on Instagram, being truly myself, like just putting as much as I could out there. And I literally just got my clients through Instagram. So like that's how it happened. And then um, within about like eight months, it started to get really full on in terms of like my busyness. So I would work with women one-on-one and make personalized meal plans which took me a really, really long time. Um, and I would never just work with them um, and spend an hour with them like most nutritionists do because most nutritionists just see back to back. Everyone, you know, is treated like a number, but I would see about four to five women a week and that was me full time. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because I would see them. Then I would make the personalized meal plan and then we'd have like a follow-up and they were able to send me emails. And as you know, that wasn't, that's only like, a small part of the business. I had to keep on top of my um, Instagram marketing, mm. my like just all of these things that you have to do to grow a business. So, you know, so I did that. And then and then I reached a point where I had seen over 400 women one-to-one and they all had similar issues. And I thought to myself, okay, I can finally see a way to help more people because my dream was to help many, as many people at once. So I knew that I had to create a meal plan and I had so much experience after doing four hundred working with four hundred women that I could find so many common themes. So that's why I built the three week body reset, and that's how the three week body reset evolved and why it actually can suit so many people. But you can still you can still adapt it so so well. I've made sure of that. Um, and then my next point was like, okay, so many women are getting incredible results, but they want to keep going. Um, and that's where I was stuck. And that's when I met Steph. Um, and then that's how the tribe, the Health of Bet tribe came about so that it's a membership for women that get results from the throat body reset and want to keep it up for life because you can't, you know, you can't just loot, um, learn anything in three weeks and, and stick at it. So that's kind of like my business journey in a very quick nutshell. Um, but now what we want to do is kind of break down little bits and pieces along the way. We've asked you guys questions on Instagram. Um, which we want to answer. Yeah, exciting. Yeah, so let's jump in. Right. Some good questions. So thank you, everyone who submitted them. Yeah, thank you so much. And some of them are going to be challenging to answer, but I'm excited to give them a good crack. So, oh, first one, how did you get yourself to take action? You go first. Okay, so, I mean, I'm one of those people who will kind of procrastinate, procrastinate, procrastinate until it's, more painful to not procrastinate or more painful to not take action than take action. So like, you know, for me, um, quitting my corporate job and like going all in on my other business, it was because I was just so unhappy at work. For me, um, closing down my first business and pivoting into a second business, that was because I was just so sick of packing and shipping orders. Like I was packing and shipping hundreds of orders every month and it was just in, in my apartment and it sucked. <laughs> Uh, so I guess, um, I don't know, I guess for me, like the biggest thing with taking action is always connecting back to like, what, like, what do I want to achieve and is what I'm doing right now 
on the path? Is it moving me closer to what I want to achieve in that um, bigger vision, I suppose? And sometimes I'm like, oh, no, it's not, but I'm really comfortable right now. And that's when it gets really hard to motivate yourself. And sometimes you just have to be like, okay, maybe right now I don't need to be taking any action. Maybe right now it's okay. And then trust that when it's right, that right time, you will take that action. Other times you do need to kick yourself up the butt and be like, oh, well, actually, I've been sitting here comfortable way too long. I think the thing that's stopping me from moving is because taking action feels uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. It's unfamiliar. There's a risk involved. So I'm going to be really tough love with myself and I'm just going to push myself to do that thing that feels uncomfortable and unfamiliar and that I don't want to do because I know that it's going to move me closer to that thing that I really do want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. What about you? I think we're partly motivated quite differently. You're much more disciplined than me. Uh, I don't know, because I look at you and I think that you're more disciplined than me. I think it's just what mm-hmm. you see from the outside. But <laughs> just extending on what you said, what what um, what um motivated me to initially take action, I kind of already just said, it was purely just that passion um for me to help women. Because mm. um, I've, I've just always loved, I don't know, I get a massive kick out of making people happy. Like, I yeah. Uh, I don't know what it is. I just love seeing people smile. I love seeing people win. And so the fact that I could do that, I was like, it, it was just so cool to do. And so starting my job up until now, it's never really felt like work. Like, of course, some moments do, but the reward is what makes me take action. So seeing people get results makes me always take action. But with what you said just before, um, taking action, whether you're first starting a business or whether you're going from one stage to the next, so like one-to-one to or one-to-many or going from one team member to five. Like yeah, they sound like cool, easy steps. They are so hard, yeah. <laughs> but you have to take action. And what, um, what like kind of extending on what you said is that, yes, you can stay in the pl- same place and that is going to seem familiar and comfortable. And when you take action, it's always going to be a risk. But if you don't take that risk, then you're always just going to stay where you are. Yeah. And you taught me that. And then what I always say to myself as well is that usually when you take the risk, you're going to like, I feel like most of the time when I have, I'm pleasantly surprised and I'm like, I'm so glad I did that. Mm-hmm. Or you say to yourself, even if it doesn't work out, then I've just learned a lesson and I'm still one step closer to where I want to be rather than staying comfortable. Absolutely. And like, it's the concept, you've probably heard this where it's like, you know, whatever you do, it's going to be hard and you just have to choose, choose your heart. You know, it's like you think about, um, starting like a health and fitness journey or like weight loss, right? Somebody, if if you've got really bad gut health, really bad bloating, yes, it's going to be so hard to change your eating habits, but it's also really hard to just keep dealing with the bad gut health and bloating and all of that. It's hard to stay put in your business and keep doing the thing that you're doing day in and day out and it's also hard to do this new unfamiliar thing the difference is that we tend to pick the familiar because it's comfortable and we know it we don't like we we our brain actually is biased towards what we know and yeah. it's really hard to shift that to something that we don't know and this applies to every area of your life like relationships health business like everything that is so true i love it how you just compared it to making dietary changes because it's like yes they're hard to make but what's harder, you know, eating crap every day and feeling like crap and knowing you should make a change or actually making a change? Yeah. Know? It's, um, and that's, yeah, you're so right. That's the same with business. I can give you an analogy, a relation, a dating analogy as well, Beth. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> a hard dating analogy. Not aimed at anybody in the room in particular. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, no. But it's, so it's hard. Like if you're, um, you know, deciding to 
start dating emotionally available men mm-hmm. is which is what I do hard. everyone they don't know that but yeah avail- emotionally available men oh okay yeah that's hard when you're so used to dating people who are emotionally unavailable and don't give you that attention mm-hmm. But it's also really hard to keep dating emotionally unavailable men who don't reply, who leave you agonizing for days. Yeah. Yeah. That's my little relationship analogy. That is so true. (laughs) But you always go back to what's familiar. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Okay. You read this one out. Is it difficult to switch off and not think about your business all the time when traveling? Oh, I love this one. You go. Okay. So I can't believe I'm about to say this because I never thought I would get to this point. In the last... so. Okay, long story short, for this trip, I have been able to switch off at moments for sure. And I just can't believe that I've been able to. But it's taken six years to get here. So like for my first, I reckon, four years of business, I didn't know how to switch off. Um, This is something that Steph definitely helped me with. But because there is so much to always do, there's always an Instagram you could do. There's always an email you could send. There's always a DM you haven't replied to. Business, especially when you're trying to scale and sell online things, there is always something that you can do and it's a really hard thing to learn that you actually should switch off. Um, and because my business is me, like it's health with Beck is, it's not just, it, it's a very, it's a lifestyle thing too. So what I give you guys is so much of me and I found it really hard to switch off because I would feel so much guilt switching off. I always had Sundays off. That's always been my thing. But I would always work till like nine o'clock at night or if I wasn't, I'd feel guilty and then I'd be like, yeah. I don't know. It was really hard. And I did go to Brisbane a few times, like I said, but they weren't holidays. They were business trips. Like the only time in four years that I truly would switch off was two weeks at Christmas time. And that's a time that I can say that I'd switch off from work. But um, yeah, it was really hard for a while. But what happened to me in about my third, third to fourth year, I got chronic insomnia. So I've always had insomnia in my whole life, but it got so chronic that I was like sleeping three hours a night. This is when I was developing the three-hour body reset on top of full-time clients. Um, and long story short, I, I learned the hard way that I'm going to have to learn how to switch off. Otherwise, I'm never going to be able to sleep. So um, I had to, I really focused for the last two years my focus was like, okay, Beck, why have you built this business? Like, do you really want to not be able to sleep your whole life? Do you want to feel burnt out your whole life? Um, you know, it just, it was, it got to a point where I was like, I need to make a change. So I basically, James Webb Wall's podcast has helped me a lot. So that's yeah. Mind Your Business. He really helps to change your mindset away from hustling all the time and shows that shows you that you actually can be successful working less yeah. and still making more. So my, basically like the last two years for me, my huge focus has been how much can I outsource? So like I gave most of my emails away. I've got like just, I've outsourced as much as I can that doesn't have to be me. And that wasn't easy. It took like, like you have to write all of your systems down on paper, hand them over and like mindset wise, handing over my business work to other people was so hard, like so, so, so hard. But now that I've got a team to support me. Plus I've just gotten so much better at going, okay, it's six o'clock at night, switch off. You're not allowed to work. Um, what I've seen by outsourcing and actually working less, my work is so much more productive. Yeah. And now I've gotten obsessed with going like the more time you take to spend on you or like the more relaxing nights you have, the more breaks you have in the day, 
the more self-care you do, the better your work is actually going to be. That's like now just ingrained as like a pattern in my brain. It's like, yeah, the, the less you do, the more you're going to make, the better your work's going to be. And my business has just absolutely grown so much in the last two years because of that. So mm. the hours that I'm working are probably half, but my business has like double or tripled in the amount of income. Yeah. So it's amazing. So now on this trip, finally, and I just want to like really like reiterate that it hasn't happened easily. Like I'm only able to come on this trip because I've worked so hard to do that. So I've worked so hard to get my team members, to get all my emails handed away, like, um, and to get my days into, you know, sort of like five-hour days um, so that now I actually can travel and now it's possible. But I reckon it took a good two years to, like, build that balance to be able oh, to yeah. now do that and switch off. Yeah, it takes a while to put those foundations in place. Like, I think about how five, four, four or five years ago now, when that first time that I was in Europe running my business from here versus how it is now, it's like complete polar opposite because now I have those right foundations in place. Back then I had no, I didn't really have any systems. I had a tiny team, but they were always relying on me to tell them exactly what to do all of the time. And when we were in different time zones, it was really hard. So that was like, there was just none of that structure in place that I needed to have that freedom to travel. And you know, we might think, oh, I hate structure. I hate structure. But structure creates freedom. And once you've got that structure in place, that gives you so much more freedom. So then um, what I've, how I've built my business now is I've literally built it after, after I closed down or after I pivoted from working with clients to pretty much purely online courses. Um, I do work with some clients, but it's like in a VIP day capacity. So I work with them for a day. And then that's kind of, that's the extent of our container together. So it's not like ongoing retainer client work. I don't need to be glued to the phone. I can go off the grid if I want to for a month at a time like I did last year. So I structure my business around travel and around the other things that I want to be doing in the year. So coming into 2022, when I sat down with my operations manager, Jay, I said to her, I said, okay, so end of August, I've got a two-week hike booked in. I am not taking my laptop with me on the hike because my backpack currently weighs like six kilograms and I do not want to add another kilogram to my backpack. There's not going to be any internet. So I'm going to be offline for those two weeks. So brave. How can we? (laughs) I'm so excited. How can we structure this year so that I can take those two months off? And because the bulk of my income in the business comes from two launches a year. So I have a course called Launch Magic. I launch it twice a year and then I teach it for 12 weeks. So that is twice a year now. I know, okay, this is going to be like a little intense burst of work, but it's okay because I know it's not that level of work all the time. And like launches can feel a little bit stressful. We've kind of nailed it so that it's not too stressful anymore, but it is a little bit more work than at other times of the year. So I thought, okay, 2022, let's put one launch at this part of the year and then one launch again in September and then fit everything else around that. So it means that I don't have to be here thinking about, okay, clients, what clients am I working on right now? I'm not, cause I'm not working on any, any now because I knew I was taking this month off. Uh, last year in February, I took an entire month off completely. Um, uh, I was in a van. I touched my laptop once in the entire month off. It wasn't like this trip where I'm working while I'm over here. Um, and for me then that was actually really easy to switch off for like the first two weeks. I was exhausted. I 
needed that rest. I knew my brain needed that rest. And then what I found that happened in the second two weeks was I started getting bored and I started missing my business. And if you're, if any of you are in that stage where you're feeling a little bit burnt out, missing your business is like the best thing that you can then start to feel because it's like, it's almost like that sign that you've overcome that little burnout and you're like, oh, actually, I want to be doing this again. And the ideas started to come through. The creative ideas started to flow through again. Uh, I notice whenever I'm burnt out, my ideas stop. Like I'm not creative anymore. Yeah. For me, travel is like the best way to bring those ideas in because you have that downtime, you have that space, you're out walking, you're doing things. Skiing for me is a huge one, like sitting there on the chairlift where I literally have, I can't have my phone with me. I have nothing or hiking where I'm in my head while I'm hiking for eight hours in a day. Uh, those things create that space for the ideas. And those ideas that have come through have been what's helped me to um, build so much of the stuff in my business. 100%. Um, so yeah, I guess like for, to answer your question, um, like, so <laughs> like, can you switch off? I reckon the main points is like, make sure you schedule, make sure you like prepared and you schedule as much work as you can do ahead of time. Yeah. So, oh yeah. So I batched, I batched all my podcast episodes before I left Australia. So I don't have to worry about that. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, like I can, now I can switch off. I couldn't before, but having that mindset shift of like, oh, like me switching off is going to be what allows me to have these inspiring ideas that Mm -hmm. come through. Yeah. That helps me switch off too. Like I know that the more I can switch off on my holiday, the better my business ideas are going to be when I get back. Like I'm still working over here a bit but a lot less than I do back home because I want to experience the world and I do want to get those big ideas. But um, for me to switch off as well, I really did my best before I left to schedule. I've got lots of like have to tasks with my business, Mm. like certain emails that have to go out to the tribe, um, you know, telling them to like join a Zoom call at this time, this, this, this. I tried to do all of my kind of like have to things before I left. Mm. So it's the biggest weight on off my shoulders that I'm like, okay, that's all running. Then I've got Kat that's making sure that all the emails are getting answered, um, you know, and all of that. And then on this trip, it's kind of like I'm still working, but it's more um, working on the business. And yeah, that I actually really want to do. And if I do want to have a day where I just don't work, I can. Um, yeah. Like feeling really free in that way. And also flowing with your energy on it. Like two days ago, we both just did not feel like doing any work. But then yesterday we kind of sat down and we were super productive. So yeah. it's like that balance being okay with that, with not always being productive when you're traveling. Like there are going to be some days that you want to go and walk around all of Paris and see all of the sights. And then there are going to be days when it's raining and it's cold and you don't want to leave your hotel. That's cool too. Like finding yeah. that balance. Yeah. Um, I think we answered about 20 different questions there yeah. in one. <laughs> yeah. Um, similarities slash differences between your work schedules at home versus when traveling. Well, we kind of touched on that a bit. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, when I'm at home, I'm usually recording podcast episodes. I'm working, I'm doing those client VIP days. I'm working on a launch most of the time. Um, I'm probably less productive because I know I have all day to get stuff done. Whereas when I'm traveling, I'm like, cool, I've got a two hour train ride. Let's get all of this done. Yeah. What's the most important? Well. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like you said, I tend to work on the stuff that feels less important, less urgent, but more, um, more working on the business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me so far, guys, like I, at home, Monday to Friday, my focus is like work all the time. Mm-hmm. I, I love, I always make sure I exercise every day. I walk Winston, I take breaks, but from about like the moment I wake up until six o'clock, I'm like business, 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 
what should I do um, and how can I optimize my health to make sure that my mindset is perfect for everything that I do. Whereas over here, because I haven't been on a holiday, like a proper holiday for six years, I'm really trying to not make business my only focus. Mm -hmm. So for my whole, like my first week in Rome, I hardly did any work because that was important to me. And then this week we've been doing a bit and I feel like the routine is kind of a bit similar. Like we've been waking up, having a coffee, doing like an hour or two of work. Um, then I've been going for a walk and then like another couple of hours of work. And then we just like have lunch, have yeah. a drink, have a swim, yeah. have dinner. So it's kind of more like just like maybe like three or four hours, I reckon. Yeah, but it's a really productive three or four hours. Yeah. Versus like when you know you've got eight hours in a day to do everything and you're like, oh, like I can just do this one thing really slowly. Yeah. I know that's me. I'm not productive. When I know I've got a lot of time to do something, I'm not that productive. Yeah. 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 That's true. Um, okay. And the, um, the, just quickly touching on that too, like I've been catching up on kind of like DMs and emails, um, when I've been sitting at like a cafe over here, which I really yeah. enjoy because that's kind of like, you're still in, enjoying the culture in a way, but that's what, that's what I've been sort of doing over here. Um, next one is how to stay motivated working from home by yourself and not getting distracted. I probably should not be the one answering this. I get so distracted. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this is what, this is what has always worked for me when I was, even when I was studying. I set myself, like I kind of work in small sprints. Yeah. So like I'll go, okay, Beck, either finish this one task or do work on something for two hours. You've got 10 to 12 and then you reward yourself with lunch. Or So this is what I do at home. I wake up, I work for a couple of hours, and then my first break is my walk with Winston and exercise. Yeah. Then I get back and I have another little block and then it's lunchtime. Mm. And then I have another block and then I stop at about four, walk Winston again, switch off, make dinner. So I kind of like to break it up into small chunks because that's so much more achievable than going, this is my whole day of work and sitting down and then you just don't want to do any of it. Yeah. Yeah. See, I, um, I have certain days where I'm really productive and then I have days when I'm just not. And I think the biggest thing for me has been making peace with that. Oh yeah. Um, I used to beat myself up when I had a day that I just didn't get through my to-do list or, um, if I got distracted and started working on a fun, shiny task rather than the thing that I needed to work on. Mm. Um, and of course, beating yourself up, we think like, oh, that's going to be productive, but it actually has the opposite effect because you start to just feel really not great about yourself. Um, so that, yeah, that it's honestly, it's been a constant struggle for me staying focused at home. Um, I do have ADHD, so that probably doesn't help. Um, but it's been, I think for me, like the biggest thing that's changed that for me has been having a team. Having, you know, even just bringing an ops manager into my team and having somebody to be accountable to or knowing that somebody's waiting on me to do something, that motivates me to get stuff done and keeps me focused. So just tell everyone really, really quickly what that is. So an ops manager is like... She basically runs my business. <laughs> no, she doesn't. Um, I mean, she she makes sure that even if I'm not doing anything now, like the main things that need to happen, the emails that need to go out, the podcast episodes that need to be published, she makes sure that those things all happen. Mm. Um, I was, whereas I was on, t I was the person in charge of all of that at the start for the first couple of years of my business. And the way that my brain works, I'm just not good at that kind of consistency. And I realized like I was just dropping the ball left, right and center. And for me, that has been the most valuable hire that I could have made. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, just pretty, just touching on that too. It's kind of like healthy eating and exercise in a way. So. Even though me and Steph are sitting here and we've grown these businesses, 
it doesn't mean that we sit at home and we're motivated every day. Like we have the same struggles as everyone else. Yeah. I don't feel mood like I do feel motivated most days, but it's still I still have to like tell myself, okay, sit I still have to have so much dedication and I have to push myself every day. Yeah. Like and it's the same, like I'm you know, like at the airport, for instance, on the way here, like I was like, Oh, those chip those hot chips look so good. Like I've got the same mm. cravings as so many people out there, but I just choose to be dedicated and strong. And it's also and get through it. Yeah, it's also habit, I suppose, for you now. Like you probably don't really give in to like the mental battle of like, oh, like I'll just have a few chips or, you know, like just this once. Uh, and it's it's kind of the same like with work. I don't think it's so much motivation as it is not discipline, but structure, I suppose. I reckon discipline as well. Yeah, discipline as well. Yeah. Just the fact that it's not like like we don't find it easy either. Like I, f- I think all humans have the same struggles, but it's just the people that stay dedicated and actually push through that struggle Yeah, are the ones that actually end up growing because it's not like it. Some people just think, oh, it's good. They have it easy. They're probably just motivated all the time. But like, yeah, it's actually, no way. it's not the case. Yeah. I mean, I don't have the motivation to publish three podcast episodes a week. Like that is a lot of work by anybody's standards. But I also know the difference that it has on my business. And I know that if I don't post those three podcast episodes each week, I don't see growth. Yeah. So it's like, cool. Okay. I need to be consistent with that. That's like one thing I need to be consistent with. And if I can just stay, stick with that, I will see the results. Yeah. 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 Totally. Okay. Um, okay. Steps to getting started. Getting started in business. Yeah. It would be. Yeah. Um, oh. I kind of went about it the wrong way because I quit my job before it was profitable. <laughs> but I would say, okay, the biggest mistake that I made that should have been my first step and was not was to actually figure out like what problem you are solving and who you're solving it for and whether they will pay money to solve that problem. That That is pivotal. Like any, the best businesses solve a problem and it is so much easier to sell something that solves a problem for somebody than to try and get people to spend money on something that is nice to have. Yeah. You know, like a designer bag doesn't solve a problem, but they also spend thousands of dollars on branding and marketing and all of that so that it becomes something that people aspire to. It's so much easier to to sell something that solves a problem and that saves you a lot of time and effort marketing. I mean, you still have to do the marketing, but it's easier to sell. I love that. I think you just hit the nail on the head. So before you even like take the steps to start, make sure you've actually got the right problem to solve. Yeah. First. Yeah. And talk to people, like talk to people who you think would be the person who would spend money because we, I don't know why we're so afraid of talking to our audience. Like we think jumping on a Zoom call with somebody who might potentially be a customer or a client one day, we think that's scary. But in actual fact, it's probably more scary starting a business and then finding out that nobody wants to spend money because you didn't do your customer research first. Yeah. And you've actually, I swear you've got um, podcast episodes on this. I do. Yeah. Yes. So maybe we'll pop the exact ones in the show notes of this episode. Yeah. Good idea. Because I I remember I was listening to some of them and yeah, Steph's info, like I said at the beginning, guys, it's just gold. Like it's, she's only giving you nuggets, but she's just the absolute pro of like, figuring out the prop, you know, helping you figure out the problem to solve. Mm. And then she now specializes in you helping you actually launch that business because 
not the you, business, the product, right, <laughs> the sorry, digital, sorry, digital product. The digital product. So, yeah, but it's like a lot of people think that you can just make something and then it will sell, but no. Oh, Steph teaches yeah. you that you, no. it's actually a monthly process before you even launch it to actually grow the audience, yeah. change their mindset. Yeah. Um, yeah. Create, build it and they will not come. Like this is the thing. Everyone thinks like if I build a good enough product, if it's a good enough product or a good enough service, people will just want it. And this is unfortunately where I see so many people with awesome products going wrong because they're not doing the marketing of it. And they're like, oh, but I'm not a marketer. And it's like, okay, well, you have two options when you're in business. And I know we've got really sidetracked here, but this is just my little rant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have two options when you are starting a business. You either have to be the marketer or you have to hire a marketer. And if you can't, if you don't have the budget to hire a marketer, then you have to be the marketer. Uh-huh. Well, I've, I've turned into like my, it's, I mean, I find it so fun, but like, you, yeah, you have to market your business. Yeah, absolutely. And if you find, if you find posting on Instagram horrible, if you hate it, great. Don't do that form of marketing. There's so many different types of marketing you can do. Mm. Okay. Cool. Okay. Sidetracked. <laughs> um, this one, um, I would love to hear launch tips. What steps you follow when launching a new product? Oh, yes. Okay. So yeah, again, always start with that problem and who it's for. And then starting to step inside the heads of those people. Like, okay, what are they thinking? What are they struggling with? Um, what other solutions have they tried before? Like, if we think about you, Beck, like with your audience, you know, they've probably tried, I don't know, low fat diets. They might have tried Weight Watchers. They might have tried all sorts of other things to lose weight. Mm-hmm. And what's going on in their minds is probably like, oh, like maybe I just can't lose weight. Maybe it's genetic. Maybe I'm just destined to be like this the rest of my life. They might be thinking, oh, I have to go hungry to lose weight. I have to be on a really strict diet. So then your marketing actually and like your product and all your messaging becomes about, well, actually, no. You haven't tried this. This is a different solution. This is why my solution will work for you. Um, this is why, you know, low carb is a much better solution than Weight Watchers or low fat or anything like that. Um, so that's kind of like the whole process of marketing it. And I'm a big before fan. Before you even launch. I'm a big fan of, yeah, I'm a big fan of launching it before you created a product, um, which is probably, it's possible with services. It's possible with digital products like courses, memberships, group programs. Kind of possible with physical products. We see this with Kickstarter and that kind of thing, but that's not really my zone of genius. Uh, but yeah, so we start talking about that kind of content, the, you know, this is a different solution. This is a different way of thinking about it. And, and you can do that through like, um, a podcast, through mm-hmm. a blog. You've got to have some sort of medium that you're yeah. constantly sharing each week, something that's changing their way of thinking about that problem. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's what you really taught me in launch magic yeah absolutely and by showing up and by doing that that is where you grow your audience so that when you finally open doors and you say like hey you can buy my course or you can buy this you now have people who are there who are already waiting to buy from you rather than like oh i've spent all this time creating this product and now nobody wants it Mm. well you should have actually tested the market first and you should have been sharing that content and growing your audience and finding out if it was something they wanted. Yeah, yep. And this is just so especially true for digital products. And by that, we mean like online courses, um, memberships. It's you've got to, they are not ebooks. They are not, (laughs) trust me, they're not easy to sell. Like it's not just like, Mm. yeah, um, creating a beautiful looking belt or pair of shoes and someone going, oh, that looks pretty, I want to buy. Yeah, there's there's (laughs) so many, um, there's so many problems that, you know, product, based businesses have to, of course, but selling a digital product, it's all about 
the psychology of that person's mind and changing all of their objections and getting them to a point where they're ready to trust you to invest in that. Yeah, absolutely. Like if I didn't trust, like I think if I was a stranger and I just came across you Mm. and I didn't know, there was no like examples of the kinds of results people had got from the three-week body reset. I didn't know anything about you. I'd never listened to a podcast episode. I probably wouldn't buy your ebook because- even though you're promising me amazing results and it sounds great, I'm like, well, I don't trust this person enough to buy from them yet. Or maybe I'm still thinking in my mind, like I have to be eating low fat to lose weight. And then Beck tries to sell me a low carb meal plan. I'm going to be like, well, no, like I don't want low carb. I need to lose weight by eating low fat. Low carb means high fat and that's going to be over my calories and I can't lose weight that way. Yeah. So you actually need to educate people a lot more in your marketing than you realize. It's not about building hype. It's not about making people excited. It's not about like just constantly talking about your product. It's about educating them on like what they need to know to be ready to buy. Yeah. Love that. And like, so going back to the question, I would love to hear launch tips. (laughs) What steps do you follow? I think like that's just, even though there's obviously a lot, that is the most golden one. Yeah. I reckon. Absolutely. Yeah. Like the actual creation of the product is so easy. Um, assuming we're talking about a digital product, like the actual part, the creating it part yeah, is easy because you are the expert, you know, you've got a framework that already works for your clients or you've got a process that you've taken people through or, you know, like, you know what works. So now it's just a matter of packaging that in a way and teaching that in a way. And that can be, you can teach that live on Zoom. You don't have to pre-record all these different lessons or anything like that. Um, so Focusing less on the actual creation of the product, trusting that when it comes to creating the product, you'll do an amazing job, but focusing less on that time creating it and more on that time marketing and selling it and finding out what people need Mm. um, is probably the biggest tip. My other big tip is pick one person to learn from. Um, It doesn't have to be me. I'm one of those people, but it doesn't have to be me. But don't come and like follow my framework and somebody else's framework and somebody else's framework because you're just going to get overwhelmed because we're all going to be telling you slightly different things. Yep. And then you're going to think, oh, I have to do all of these things and you end up doing nothing. So just pick one framework you can follow step by step by step and just follow it exactly like to a T. That is so true because I really found that part of my success in the last couple of years was just only honing on in on your stuff and James Wedmore's stuff. And you got, because you have such similar outlook yeah. in business and like you've actually learned a lot from James yeah. as well. So that's why I, it's just, it's so much less overwhelming to just focus on one or like just get one um, way to launch something and stick with it. And just a really quick tip here that I wish I did sooner. I mean, like it's all part of my journey. Like I can't regret anything, (laughs) but in, instead of just listening to heaps of podcasts, Mm. Googling things for free, trying to do things yourself, because I was there, like I used to do that for so long. Um, as soon as I actually decided to invest in working with Steph and invest in the business course by James Wedmore, that is when my business changed because I was like, okay, they're the experts. They're telling me exactly what to do. And knowing that you're just investing and you're going to save yourself so much time and guesswork and probably like years doing it yourself is such a good tip I reckon to do yeah launch something absolutely it's kind of funny because um James's course also changed my business absolutely like I was I was very close to quitting um I was very close to giving up which I think is a question yeah Yeah, it's coming up yeah uh questions coming up next excellent um I was very close to giving up and 
somehow like I was, I saw an email from somebody in my inbox, one of his affiliates, and I clicked through to the course sales page and I was like, huh, this is cool. And then I scrolled down to the pricing and I was like, ah, I think it was like 3000 US dollars or three and a half thousand US dollars, something ridiculous like that. I say ridiculous. It was ridiculous in my mind back then. Now I'm like, oh, that's kind of normal. Um, <laughs> it's funny how your perspective changes. Yeah. Um, but I was like, oh, I can't afford that. Like I had maybe $500 in my bank account. So I was like, I can't afford that. Anyway, then the next day I saw another email and it had just kind of been in the back of my mind. And I was like, you know what? Maybe this is my last ditch attempt. I have $500 in my bank account, my business bank account. Mm, the, fi- the payment plan is like 300 US, which was about 500, um, 500 Australian. So I thought, let me just hit this buy button and give this a go. And I'm just going to follow this T to a T. And because it was so expensive, because it was like, it hurt, that investment hurt. I followed it to a T and I got the results. Yes. And that's the same with like pretty much any course, right? or any kind of investment. If you're buying $27 courses or free podcast episodes, it feels really cluttered. It feels like you've got all of these different places you can learn from, but you never actually follow through on them because it's $27. Like it doesn't hurt. But if you sign up for a $2,000 course or, you know, I signed up to work with a coach um, at the end of 2020 that was, I think she was about 26000 for six months. Like that is a lot of money, 26000 US dollars. But because it was a lot of money, I showed up to every session. I did the homework. I took action and I got the results. And I made way more than that in return because I took that action. Yeah. And that's something that you taught me too. Like unless someone pays money, they don't have real skin in the game and they're not going to take action. So Mm -hmm. if you're someone that's wanting to learn something about business, um, launch a course, do anything and you, and you see someone, you want to pay someone to teach you, just know that that is going to be something that's so incredible for you to do because once you've paid, you will actually want to take the action. Yeah. And not only that, you're going to be like a really good mindset, which is to go like, yes, I'm paying it, but it's an investment. Like imagine if they can help me, then I'll just make all of that money back plus yeah. more, you know? Yeah. And generally like when you're investing in something like that, they are giving you a framework. The free stuff's great, but the free stuff, if you just consume all of the different pieces of free content, you end up feeling so overwhelmed by all of the different things you could be doing and nobody's actually given you a step-by-step, this is how to do it. Everyone's telling you what you need to do, but not telling you how to do it and the process in which to do it. And that just makes you feel even more overwhelmed. So like investing in the right thing, the right person, the right course, whatever that right investment is for you, that kind of speeds up the entire process because you're not spending this time figuring out this is what I need to be doing and like piecing it together. Yeah, I love that. Like the amount of people that um listen to my podcast for months mm-hmm. and just try to do little tips themselves. And then when they finally join the three body reset, even though it's not a big investment, it's only $139. Um, but it's all about perspective to people, you know, like sometimes yeah. I, I don't know. Um, and then they're like, Oh my God, I wish I did this sooner. Cause it's just like, I just everything I've talked about in the podcast for a year and a half now, it's just all condensed into just a three work framework. And it's like, yeah, macro's done, that done. And it's just, you know, it's people get such a relief once they actually just put that money in and get it. Um, so, all right, let's move on to the next question. So the next one is actually have, how have you got through the moments of giving up? Um, you go first. So I've with my business, Steph kind of laughed before and maybe this is rare. Um, I've never actually wanted to give up help back. And I think that's because 
I just love, I've loved every day so much. Obviously, I've had my hard days. Like I think back to when I had insomnia and I felt like I pretty much, I felt so low, so low in energy, but I still just pushed myself to work every day because I still enjoyed it. And I still was getting the reward of women going, look how much you've changed my life. Like I literally get every single day there's a message and they make me cry so many days Mm -hmm. because it's like I've been stuck for so long. I'm like 50 years old. I've tried my whole life to lose weight. And now you've helped me and you've changed my whole outlook on food. So for me, if I ever gave that up, I'm, I'd be stopping changing women's lives. And yeah, I've never wanted to give up, but I have absolutely had moments. Like one of my most pivotal moments is that moment that I flew to Brisbane to meet Steph because I was, <laughs> I was sleep deprived. I had chronic insomnia. I was like, I'm still doing all my emails. Um, I'm still seeing a couple of clients a week. I'm not selling as many three week body resets as I want. It's just plateauing. Like, and I was so stuck and so like, like my body was like, oh my God, like didn't want to give up, but I was very like, um, exhausted, you know, and it was hard, but to get to sort of push through that and know that I needed to make change, that was actually a pretty big change that I did. I actually decided to fly to Brisbane yeah. to meet hopefully a potential mentor. And that's a big, that's a risk too. Like you might oh, have cute. I had to take through it, flew across the country, you know? And so I think when you get to that point, it's like, okay, no, this is the biggest key. If you get to that point of giving up, usually it means that you need to bloody ask for help. Or to, or make a change, which is what I was going to say. <laughs> yeah, because I didn't, up until then, like I didn't want to ask for help. I was like, this is all me. It's all me. It's mm-hmm. all me. But as soon as I was like, Steph, can you help? And then I decided to like invest in actually like paying for a few mm-hmm. courses and getting her advice. Then that's what got me through that stage. Yeah. Okay. So Yeah. So when I've been in points where I've wanted to give up, like I've had quite a lot of points that I've wanted to give up and it's always been because something hasn't been working. It's like, you know, there's been times when it's like, okay, I'm, I want to give up because I'm feeling burnt out. And then it's kind of like you follow the bread comes back. Okay. Why am I feeling burnt out? Oh, it's because I've been working so hard and haven't taken a break in three weeks. Okay. Well, maybe I need to set some boundaries around the hours that I work. Or maybe I want to give up because I'm sick of clients emailing me all the time. Okay, well, maybe I need to set some ground rules with my clients, set some boundaries and tell them, hey, I'm not going to reply to your email. I only reply to your emails between these hours. Um, for me, with the one of the biggest moments I wanted to give up was when um, my courses that I was launching, they just weren't selling that well. And I had a really bad launch where my webinar crashed. And after that, I was like, I'm just so sick of this feast or famine. I'm so sick of the ups and downs. Like, I just want to be in a normal job where I get a paycheck. And I actually applied for jobs and I got an interview. I got a call back to come for an interview at a particular activewear brand based in Brisbane. And I turned them down. (laughs) Um, I turned them down. I was like, no, sorry. Like, I've actually already accepted another role because my brain was just like, no, you're not ready to give up on this just yet. Yeah. So I think like in those moments where you feel like you want to give up, you probably don't. You probably... Like at the, that point in time, it feels horrible. Sometimes you just need a good night's sleep. Other times you need to change something in your business and it might be firing a really bad client. It might be putting your prices up. It might be putting your prices up, letting go of a few clients and launching a course. So you've got that time. It might be, uh, taking a holiday. Like there's got to be something that needs to change. Yeah. For that point. Yep. That's so true. That is so true. Cause for me, it was, I needed to hire staff members and change things. Okay. Yeah. Um, the biggest slash best lessons you've learned as a business owner. 
<laughs> well, the first one that I, sh- I already shared was solve a problem with your product. Don't try and sell something that doesn't solve a problem or that people don't want. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess the other one is be open to it looking really different, really radically different to how you expected it to. Like I would never have expected if you'd asked me seven years ago, what or six years ago when I first started that first business, like where would I be? What would I be doing? I would have thought, oh yeah, I'm going to scale this into a massive product-based business and live happily ever after. I would never have expected that I would be doing what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Um, For me, there has been the way that I've grown this business has all been on lessons. So like, oh my God, what are the biggest ones that come to my mind? Okay. One of the biggest ones is um, the lesson of going, okay, like the harder you work, the less probably you're going to sleep, the worse you're going to feel and the less work you're actually going to do in terms of productivity. Yeah. So one of my biggest lessons is going, okay, how can I actually work smarter, take far more time for self-care and then you actually end up getting more done. That's one of my views there. Yeah. Another lesson is definitely like making sure that you, if I could go back, I would outsource sooner than I did. So Mm. asking for help. So really finding the tasks that you don't, have to do um like things that aren't in your line of genius and then just teaching someone else to do it for you because even though you're kind of giving away money it's like then what that's doing is that's creating more time for you to actually do what you're an expert at and that's actually what's going to grow your business yeah like so for me um that's been the biggest game changer like oh my god just the biggest game changer um it allowed me to like create my podcast yeah um so, yeah, hiring sooner, taking more time for self-care. Um, what's another big lesson? Um, I think for you, also being open to it looking different, right? When you were that yeah. nutrition student, did you ever expect to be running a membership? No, absolutely Hot not. Like, I'm, it's just, it's incredible. But that's, it, that, like, yeah, it's um, it's incredible, like, just always having Oh, this isn't really a lesson, but having people that you look up to that are a bit ahead of you in whatever you're doing, this relates mm-hmm. to health and weight loss too. Like if it's possible for them, it's possible for you too. So like yeah. me looking up to Steph and seeing her business success, I'm just like, whoa, like that's possible for me too, rather than staying so stuck in your in your own ways. Um, um another one is definitely setting strict boundaries so when I set that boundary to switch off at six o'clock so much changed for me as well like I used to uh, because my dms are never ending like I used to like every time I'd park the car every time I'd like mum would make dinner when I used to live at home and then if, as soon as it would finish I'm back on the couch replying to dms like I never had switch mm-hmm. off time and that was not good for my relationships that was not good for my mental health that wasn't good for anything so setting boundaries a time that works for you and also, yeah, setting those boundaries around when you're going to reply to people. Yeah. Um, like now I actually kind of try to just check my emails Monday, Wednesday, Friday and have yeah. Thursday, Tuesday and Thursday completely off and that's a big lesson I've learned too. Like I don't want to be stuck in my inbox because they're like, um, you know, that's like a mundane task that interrupts you. Yeah, and like, you know, you're not, you're not a heart surgeon. Like nothing in your inbox is going to be that urgent. Yeah, and if it is that urgent, well, they should probably call someone. Yeah, that's so true. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah, you just lessons, you literally, the thing is you have to just learn the lessons along the way as you go, hey, like you just, unless you go mm-hmm. through them, through them, um, 
I think we get so attached to it looking a particular way though. And then if things don't go to how we think it has to go in our mind, we get really frustrated. We want to give up. But actually being open to it, like left, like I said, being open to it looking different and knowing that like, hey, maybe this is all part of a bigger journey, like a bigger thing that I just can't quite see yet, like a bigger picture I can't see yet. That's yeah. also, I think that for me, instead of getting frustrated, like, why is this thing not working? It's like, okay, like, what can I learn from this? And what can I do differently? Yeah, that's always an opportunity to learn, hey? Yeah. Um, okay, next question. On. Um, <laughs> was there a time when your, where your business declined and how did you get it to thrive? Oh, I've been through that multiple times. Um, it's super, it's super, super normal. You know, it's never going to always, everyone thinks like growth is this linear thing and it's never this linear thing. Like, you know, yeah, I had some massive months in 2020 and then I had some not as massive months, but it, it's never going to be like straightforward linear growth. And I think the best thing you can do is like kind of honor that there's going to be different seasons. You're going to go through that winter and then there's going to be a spring and maybe you can start sowing some seeds and you can start doing a couple of things that are going to set you up for that growth. And that might look like if you aren't already showing up consistently and sharing content consistently somewhere, it might look like starting to share that content and releasing the expectation that you're going to see those results straight away. Uh, it might look like starting to build your network, starting to build some relationships with people. It might look like starting to proactively get in front of other people, uh, pitching to podcasts, pitching media, uh, pitching collaborations, all of those things, you might not see the results straight away, but they are like planting those seeds in that winter so that when spring comes, they can grow and you can see those results. Mm. One thing I want to say around this, and this is like a slightly different perspective, um, is for me, if I ever see sales decline in a week or more cancellations in the tribe, I've really found, and I know it's a bit, it's definitely a bit different to your business, but for, for my personal business, I think, it, I think because so much of it is me and a lot of it is my ability to be creative and show up on Instagram, um, and send the right emails. And I've really, really found that the best weeks for me to be creative and show up as myself and mm -hmm. give you guys tips and influence you to take action to change your health for me when I'm the best version of myself. So if I'm well slept, if I'm feeling happy that day, if I eat well, which is always the case, if I exercise, yeah. then it creates my mind to be creative and it makes me show up. And that's when my business is always going the best. The moments for me where I've struggled, because we all have moments that we struggle, like last year, I went through a few personal things. Um, naturally, it's so hard to show up on Instagram authentically, mm. to think of creative ideas, to like think of that podcast episode, to um, to do things that, you know, help people. And so for me, they're the times that business have de has declined. But what I always do is look back, kind of yeah. like what you said before, and go, okay, what happened that week? And how can I try to prevent that so that I can feel as good as I possibly can so that I can do all the things that make my business grow? Yeah. Um, I think like the thing to be careful with there is sometimes when we feel like, our business is declining and people aren't buying, we can get into that negative mindset spiral of nobody wants what I'm selling. Yeah. Oh my goodness, my business is doomed. 
And then when you show up and try to do all of those things that Beck was talking about, then it comes from an energy of desperation and scarcity. And people can feel that. They can feel when you're like, buy from me. Like, why is nobody buying? Why is nobody buying? Mm. Versus when you're like, oh, this is just a temporary blip. What can I do? Like, how can I show up and, you know, be my best self for my audience versus I have to do this to get sales. I have to do this to get sales. There's a big difference in that energy. Yep. Uh, So true. So if I have those moments where I'm feeling really down, um, like for me, like quite often it'll be, it'll be dating and I'll date someone. It won't work out. And that really affects me. And what I've learned is that when I'm feeling like that, I prefer to just cry, not do as much work, honor that energy, talk to my friends. And then when I feel over it, that's when I can show up authentically because I've tried that in the past when I I sort of like I show up and I pretend to be happy and stuff. And then, yeah, you're right. It doesn't translate well. So (laughs) no, I don't do that. But, um, I truly believe in like doing everything that you can to make yourself feel as energetic and, and happy as you can. And avoid the things in your life that stress you out. So you're distancing yourself from certain friends or family members that drain you or like the news. The news is a big one. Yeah. Yeah. Social media, if you, if you find social media drains you. Yep. Don't spend as much time on that. Yep. Because at the end of the day, growing a business and staying dedicated and also it's such a creative thing to do. Like you've got to constantly think of like content and you, it's impossible to be creative when you're feeling really tired and down. And so the more you can do to optimize that mindset, the better it's going to be. And then I think it always translates into the, the yeah. better chance of growing. Yeah. And just one other thing I want to add also, um, because like right now, you know, there's a lot of talk about, oh, we're in a recession, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And there's a lot of that negativity around there. And like, yeah, we, that we are, we might be in a recession. Who knows? Um, I don't know if we've, been in like negative growth for long enough. I don't know, whatever the technical stuff is. But um it's really easy to get caught up in that negative thinking of like, oh, nobody's spending any money right now, like business is doomed, all of that. But actually, you know, there's only t- you can only focus on what's in your control. And worrying about the stuff that's outside of your control right now, there's no point. It's a waste of your energy. So some, I was at a conference in San Diego earlier this year and one of the speakers, and I've forgotten his name, but he talked about a question. He mentioned one question and it was, what are my strengths right now and what do people need from me right now? And in different times, like, you know, during the pandemic, that was what people need from you right then is different to what people might need from you right now. So like, what are your strengths and how can you use those strengths to serve people where they might be right now? Okay. Love that. That is so true. Um, okay. Next is, um, going from, so we've just got two more guys. So we will, it's going for a lot longer than we thought, but we'll wrap it up. Um, going from one to one to one to many. Oh, so can I, I'll start with this one. Go. Yeah. Share your journey a little bit. Okay. So you've talked about it a bit, but like the actual process that you went through maybe. Yeah. And I think this is really key because I mean, it might not be for every business, but for me, I really, I try to I try to explain this much, this one as much as I can to people because I feel like going. I think it's some it's sometimes important to go from one to one before you go to one to many because you get the experience of understanding mm-hmm. people's problems in depth. Yeah. So before I even went to one to many, like I said before, I've I'd already worked for a couple of years so hard with women one to one and really got to know their pain points and their problems and what worked for them. So before I even went to one to many, I really understood all of that. Um, but then 
moving to one to many, which means like creating a digital online product, whether it's an online course, um, and then choosing whether it's a course like Steph launches a couple of times a year or one like my three what do you reset that's just sold whenever people want. Um, doing that, I, the reason I got, I, like when I went to one to many and I built that three body reset and I tried to just sell it myself, um, didn't know anything about launching. I was just listening to podcast after podcast and stuff. I, it was really hard to do because there is so much to learn. There is so much to do. It's not easy, but I wish back then that I actually did buy a course to teach me mm. because then you, then you learn like, okay, how to build the right landing page. What what software to use like there is so much like how to write your copy like and I was just winging it all myself and I just want to say like there are so many steps it's so fun it's so doable but it's so much easier if you just find the right person to teach you how to do it yeah um I also want to say like it's really hard because if you've already if you've got that one-to-many offering and like like what you were back with where you were just already like full-time in your business working with those clients, then finding the time to do all of this other stuff on top is so yeah. hard. And I think there's like this idea that it's that you fire all of your clients at once. You like create this product and then one day you like fire all of your clients because you're making enough money from it. Mm-hmm. But it's not like quitting a job. You can let go of one client, let go of a couple of clients and take on some new ones and like sort of fit it in um, rather like slowly let them go, slowly phase out of it if you don't want to be working with clients anymore. Or find that sweet spot where you're working with a couple of clients and you can serve them really well at the same time as creating that product, launching that product, serving the students in your product. Yeah, I'm sorry that. Sorry, I missed that too. So when I moved from one to one to just selling the third body reset, that was definitely not a, just a quick transition. Yeah. So I used to see about four clients a week. Um, then when I launched the three-week body reset, um, I cut it down to about two clients a week Mm. and I was just seeing how sales were going and then it took probably like six months after that, maybe six months to a year to completely give up on clients and purely just sell the three body reset um, and then build the tribe. So now I don't see clients at all. I do the occasional express consultation, um, but it wasn't just a really quick transition. I kind of like halved my amount of um, clients and then – yeah, and then it became one to many. So it was a, yeah, a little like, bit of like a, a tiptoe of a process. Yeah, me too. Um, and then I've had phases where I haven't worked with any clients for like, I don't think I worked with a single client for the whole of 2020. And then I got to the end of 2021 and I was like, I kind of miss working with clients, but I don't want to work with them in this ongoing monthly basis because I want to take time off. And that was where I thought, oh, like the launch VIP model where like I spend six hours of my time working on somebody else's launch. And then they get seven days of like email access to me. And that's kind of the whole container. Like I'm not tied to this client forever. Mm, that's cool. Um, and like one last thing around that, like if anyone's in this position of going from one to one to one to many, I just want to say like, it's the best thing you mm-hmm. can do. Like, of course it's not for everyone, but like, it's just, it. Cre- it's what creates freedom. Like yeah. it would be pretty hard to travel the world if you're still just doing one-to-one work all the time because yeah. you're just you're what's the expression you're you're working for the money you're yeah you're trading time for money you're trading time yeah. for money but when you've got a digital product you can literally scale it to like it's 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 endless the possibility yeah. and the amount of people that you can help is endless so if you're also like a nutritionist or a dietitian or a naturopath or anyone that's improving lives like Steph's business improves lives too she's giving people the ability to create businesses and have freedom like um 
just think of that as well. Like you're going to be impacting so many more people than just the one-to-one. Yeah. And the amount of money that you can make is so much more. Um, your freedom can be to so much more. Um, so if anyone's thinking about doing it, like, yes, it feels scary, but like, oh my God, it is the best thing I have ever done. Yeah. And like, absolutely. Just, like it's, it's so cool once you, um, once you sort of get through that. And okay. I really like this last question. It's really interesting. Yeah. So how can, how can social media affect one's mental health? I don't know if. I think I have like a love-hate relationship with social media, but I'm actually really good at not getting too consumed in it anymore. Uh, I definitely have been guilty of that comparisonitis thing all the time. <laughs> you know, when you're like looking at somebody else's business and it looks so nice from the outside and, you know, maybe maybe like you're looking at my story and Beck's stories at the moment of like we're in Italy and it's like, oh, you know, like, oh my goodness, they have this these businesses that they've built and like I've been running my business for just as long and why am I not as successful as them I get in that comparisonitis as well and it's really easy to forget that you're not seeing the whole picture Mm -hmm. on social media like I will post a photo of the first class upgrade that I got on my flight here but I won't show the I won't show a photo of the 15 hours I spent flying to Dubai with my feet up on the exit door in economy class because that's just not what social media wants to see and we're like oh the algorithm wouldn't like that so people are just showing like the highlight reel and it's so easy to forget that and it's so easy to get in that spiral of like why is my business not as successful why am I not as successful and we forget that there's that everyone's going through the highs and the lows and they're just showing you the highs also on that like that's so true and I also think it's so important that it's for most people of course there are some people that are lucky in the world and they might get, you know, inherited money from their parents or whatever. Mm-hmm. But most of the time, especially if someone's running a business, like what Steph just said, like, yes, she put up a photo um, of herself in first class, but what people don't see is the years and years of hard work that it took to get there as well. So I think with that, like, it's really important to every time you're scrolling on social media to always know that it's definitely, yeah, it's just the highlight reels yeah. of life. And then if it does start to impact your mental health, just take a break or yeah. unfollow anyone that makes you feel bad about yourself. Um, I really like to always make sure that my explore feed is only showing me what I want to see. Yeah. So like if I start to, if it starts to all of a sudden become like models and like mm. people with amazing bodies and it's like all this like, um, uh, comparison artist kind of thing or things or whatever. I'll be like, no, how can I change this back to being like health quotes and mm-hmm. really inspiring things? And so I'll, you know, tap the top three dots in the corner of the post that I don't like and go, oh. show me less of this. And the more you do that, and then the more you interact with things that you do like, you can slowly change your explore feed to be things that are positive for your mental health. And that'll be different for everyone. But um, also in terms of business though, I think it depends on your outlook of social media. So For me, a lot of people out there think that social media is toxic and it can be sometimes, Mm. but for me, it has brought, it has helped me grow this business. It's made me meet you. Um, it has, it helps me change the lives of women. I only use it. I really, I have a personal account that I don't use as much. I only use Instagram to educate and benefit the life, lives of women and to share my passion. And so like for me, it's, it's created like connections. It's helped me change lives. It, it helps me share really healthy, positive things to people. Mm-hmm. So 
I look at Instagram as such an incredible asset to my business and it doesn't affect my mental health, but of course, some days it does. So I, if I'm, if I'm not feeling like showing up, I really can sort of feel that in my whole soul and go, okay, just have, you know, time off. Yeah. Um, and I'm really try, I'm really strategic with like only showing up when I'm feeling like it feels authentic as well. Yeah. Um, and I think also like unfollowing, this should go without saying, but like unfollowing people that trigger you or that make you feel negative in some way. Like, you know, sometimes we like to follow somebody because we get that, like, it's almost like that perverse feeling of like, it's enjoy, you like enjoy watching their stories, but it triggers you. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you're following somebody like that, unfollow them. Yeah. You know, it's like the same as following a, a, a toxic ex or something, right? Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to do that. You want to see their stories, but it's not good for your health. So unfollow those people that trigger you. And also just being mindful about like how much time you are spending on social media because I, I, so I recently surveyed my audience and one of the responses that I got to the survey, somebody mentioned something about how they were spending like an hour every morning engaging on people's, engaging with other people's content on Instagram because they thought that was how they needed to grow their business. And like five years ago, that would have worked. Mm. Now, like that hour could be spent on so many other better things in your business. So just being really mindful of like how much time you're spending on there and like, is this growing my business? Is this bringing me joy? If it's not helping with, if it's not doing either of those, then it's probably time to exit out of that and go and do something else. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Yeah. So assess your time and see if it's actually working. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we've been talking for a really long time now. I'm getting really hungry. Saying <laughs> you guys have got to the end. Thank you so much for listening. Like that was. That was really fun to. I enjoyed that. Should we start a podcast? Dude, <laughs> let us let us know. DM I just, back and let us know. Oh, I've got this like annoyed feeling in my gut because it's such a big topic to talk about, and it's so hard to condense it into one episode. But like I said before, guys, like, mm. and I'm not just saying this to plug Steph. I'm just like, I'll plug you whenever I bloody can because it's <laughs> so authentic. You. Like, her podcast is amazing. If you want to get tips, um, and also her actual courses, I just couldn't recommend anymore. Um, and like, yeah, DM, DM us on Instagram if you want to ask us any more questions or let, let us know that if you enjoyed it. Um, Steph- and like, seriously, let us know if, if you, if this is the kind of content you want, like we could start a podcast that's yeah. like behind the scenes of running a business because oh I don't think enough people really talk. It's a lot of how to's and a lot of that kind of stuff, but there's nobody talking about the reality really. Um, but yeah, so it's so fun. Uh, you can find me if you're not already following me, you can find me at, on Instagram at stephtaylor.co. And my podcast is called Socialette and it's in all of the podcast apps. Yep. Um, and it's insane. And any final, you guys know me on Instagram, I think. <laughs> Health underscore with underscore Beck. Um, they might not know that because they might have come from you to listen. Oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, all the things that we've talked about in terms of yeah, anything, any links that we've referred to, I'll pop in the show notes of this episode as well. And yeah, we hope you guys love this and I'll catch you when I'm next on. So just quickly, I have decided to do a podcast break while I'm over here. Um, so this is kind of like a bonus episode, but there might be one coming from me soon, very soon about my travel tips to stay gluten free and on track with my health so far. So stay tuned, but I'll keep you guys posted on Instagram and through your emails as well. Bye. <laughs> 